0: Hi everyone, Hanukkah Sameach. It is December 1st, 2021. It's the third day of Hanukkah. It's almost uh, sunset, so it's almost the uh, fourth day, fourth night of Hanukkah. We are happy to be here coming from the uh, studio, so to speak, at SAR Academy. I am here with Dr. Tina Lerner and Dr. Josh Milner, members of our Medical Advisory Committee. Um, The entire Medical Advisory Committee has been working nonstop 24-6 over the last 20 months um, to advise us and our community, and we're very grateful for that. Um, And we are here this afternoon to talk about vaccines, kids, the effect on SAR, the effect on the community, what the next couple of weeks and couple of months will look like. And we look forward to a productive conversation. My name is Rabbi Benny Krauss. I'm the principal of SAR. Uh, This is our second opening up podcast. Thank you to Yael Baker uh, for developing this uh, this podcast and uh, getting it out there for our audience. Um, And thank you to you for being here in person this afternoon. Dr. Tina Lerner. Received her Ph.D. in virology from the Rockefeller University. She also has an MBA from NYU and has spent over 30 years as a healthcare industry analyst evaluating pharmaceutical, biotech, and medical diagnostics companies and their products from inception through market. Dr. Lerner, thank you for being here. You're also a proud Safta now at SIR. Absolutely.
1: How many grandchildren do you have here? Eight. Eight.
0: Eight. Okay. Keep them coming. Sounds good. Sounds good. Dr. Josh Milner is an internationally renowned Physician, scientist whose research has uncovered the genetic underpinning of allergic diseases in children, formerly of the NIAID, now the Chief of of the Division of Allergy, Immunology, and Rheumatology in the Department of Pediatrics at Columbia University, and Professor of Pediatrics at the Institute for Genomic Medicine at Columbia University Irving Medical Center. Did I get that? mostly, right? I think so. We'll take it. Thank you both again. Really, thank you for your, for your I don't know what to call it, service, love, care of, for our community, because you've been, you and the other members of the team, uh, Dr. Rocker and Dr. Lisker, um, have, have all been really, really incredible together with our nurses at, as, at helping us navigate um, the uncertainties of this pandemic. So I'm going to start with, uh, I'm going to start with what's been going on now, um, you know we thought we, we thought we were headed in a certain direction, and all of a sudden all we hear on the news is omicron what's omicron? Why omicron? How omicron? What are we going to do about it? How much does it change um, what we know or what we don't know? Um, and I know that you might not have the answers to these questions, but give us give us a little bit of insight uh, dr Milner
2: I, I can definitively tell you it's it's a Greek letter, uh, <laughs> but um, in addition to that um, you know. Indeed, we don't know a ton. Um, Everybody in the world is looking for little morsels here and there that can give us clues. Um, It is possible that it is more infectious than Delta. Um, We don't have any indications that it's more dangerous than Delta, or a lot more dangerous than Delta. We don't have any indications of that right now. Um, You'd have to look at large swaths of the population before you really have an idea, and it really is likely to be just a matter of days uh, before we know a little bit, Um, there are two ways that we're really gonna evaluate it to really have a much better idea. The first way is looking in the lab, and that's by just looking at measures that might correlate to whether people are immune if they've been infected with a different strain prior or if they've been vaccinated or both. Um, Those just correlate for us. They give us an idea, uh, but they don't tell us how it's gonna actually play out in the real world. The way that that plays out is by looking at individuals who get hospitalized and seeing um, if they are sicker, um, if there are more of them, if it is in people who were more likely to have been infected or vaccinated prior. That's really the only time we're really going to know. Until then, it's all gonna be sort of extrapolating from very small samples, and that can be dangerous and give us the wrong idea. It is absolutely possible that it could also be a milder disease, even if it's more infectious. And so I was going to s- ask about
0: that split. So it's possible that even for vaccinated people, this might be more infectious, there might be more breakthrough infections, but that the vaccination will still
2: protect against illness. Is that so possible? So f- for all of the variants mm-hmm. so far, the vaccination protects against the illness even significantly, when? even though it may be you know, possible for you to get um, infected. But remember, infected even means something different when you've already been vaccinated. Right. It's not quite the same as sick and infected. There will be people who get sick. It's a smaller number when they've been vaccinated or if in some cases, if they've been infected uh, recently. Um, but uh, the, the, the this particular virus, irrespective of the prior immunity, may be a mild virus. It's 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 just as likely to be that as it is to be The same or to be more uh, severe. There were reports, the initial folks in South Africa did say they only saw it in mild cases, um, which is why people are hopeful that it's not terrible, but that. They were looking on a college campus where you're not necessarily going to see so many mild sure. cases and also you're not following these people long term to find out what happens.
0: Well, we're gonna see is this like are we gonna get news every day on this? Real news and data, real information? Is gonna be every day, every week, every month? I know Israel's closed for two weeks, so everyone's following that, of course. Uh, the, you know. the,
2: the news will be by the half hour, I suspect. <laughs> okay. um, the real decent like read on what's going on is gonna take a full two weeks. Um, because you have to actually get the virus, isolate it, get it into a lab that can study it, um, and and repeat their studies and compare it to the way other people study it uh, with different methods, before we're really going to have like that first inkling of of which way it's going to go in people who are immune. And it really will be. We'll just see how much it spreads. Sounds like it does spread very fast, um, and um, and so. Uh, but it was in areas that are not well vaccinated, um, and, okay. so, um, and so and um, so uh, it does spread. It sounds like it does spread very fast. So we'll have the numbers at a certain mm-hmm. point in time, unfortunately, um, to know whether you know it's more likely that one would get very sick.
0: And now we're going to move from science to policy a little bit. And this is the right, we, right we, we're all obviously trying to get the information that we need to get, and we're all aware of the fact, and certainly we've become more humble over the last two years, that there are so many things that we don't know. So when you're in that period of not knowing, do you, I've heard some people say, well, then don't change any practices until you know. And I've heard other people saying, well, change a lot of practices until we know. Um, how do you, how do you? Manage that, navigate that that question.
1: Well, I think for this one, we can start with the operating assumption that it's similar to the experience that we had with when Delta took over for the previous variants, um, and we're all set up to have the mitigation strategies and the vaccination and everything else. I think for the and since we're we're talking about maybe a couple of weeks till we have a lot more information. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of huge policy changes that should be made right now based on the discovery. Okay, that's And I, I would also add that it's, it's unfortunately not a surprise that this is happening because mm. it's a highly mutating virus and viruses basically try to reproduce themselves as efficiently as possible. And every once in a while they succeed. And, you know, if it wasn't Omicron, it might have been, an, it was going to, it was bound to be another one. Mm -hmm. So this was kind of in the expectation and um, the fact that the companies who are working on the vaccines have all been set up in their labs to study every new variant that came along with the idea that if they had to go into warp speed again as they did the last time, they could do it.
0: Okay. And you know, Dr. Lerner, you've been you've been incredible at following every piece of news. I think you've watched all the uh, all the hearings. I'm a geek and, for the FDA <laughs> I mean, hearings, It's yeah. pretty amazing how you how you pick up that information. Mm-hmm. So can you can you update me? Can you update us on, you know, have I know that New York State, I the governor did make some kind of statement or maybe maybe it was a New York City statement about it wasn't a, it wasn't a policy change, but some changes in recommendations. Is that mm-hmm. Uh, what's been going on the last couple of days?
1: I, I guess that I mean that's what they, the city announced. Um, and although it stronger recommendations for masking indoors, just
0: stronger recommendations for masking indoors. Now we're we're, yeah. we're under a mask mandate in school in anyway. School it's not change. All of our vaccinated students are under a mask mandate. Although it, it's hard, I mm-hmm. think that right, it's kids and and adults see through some inconsistencies. Um, so, so, I think the mask mandate for vaccinated populations has been has been something that we've been grappling with, which we can talk about. Um, but you know, in school, it's not really much of a choice because a there, choice. We, there is a law. um but but, yes,, so I've seen that some recommendations, mm-hmm. but not exactly policy changes yet. And I guess we're kind of biding our time to see to see where it goes. Yes.
2: The one other thing that I would add is that again, during the time when we're uncertain, so there may not be significant policy changes for those who are already, vaccinated and who already (laughs) practice certain distancing, um, and masking, um, uh, behaviors already. Uh, but for those who don't, who thought maybe, oh, this is all over, um, those folks might want to redouble their efforts on the, on the, the, you know, those practices, um, if they're not vaccinated, this is yet another good reason to get vaccinated. Um, even if the vaccine does not perfectly match this new variant it will be protective uh to to uh including to variants that already exist now right Um, and so um so that will be helpful and uh and then also right in places where you would normally and in in crowds where um there are differences of practices that are just personal preference um just to consider that we don't know what's coming and that it might be the better part of valor to be to, to 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 have uh practices that are more careful regardless of what the uh, you know the particular recommendation happens to be um, or I should say mandate uh, 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 happens to be in the in the area
0: at the time right I saw the president uh, I forgot the language exactly he said uh you know, he, he certainly encouraged no panic, but uh-huh. but but certain level of caution. Obviously, trying to find the balance between you know not not just ignoring things, because when you have new information, you have to take it seriously. You also don't want to you know create a state of panic every time. First of all, that will take away from confidence in the vaccinations, which is important um, and has, has proven has has been proven to be successful. So, so I guess I guess in our smaller you know smaller groups and smaller communities, we're trying to we're trying to find that balance as well. Um, so let's move to the conversation that mm-hmm. we thought we were going to have before <laughs> yeah. we knew about um, Omicron, and we we, we originally um, asked you to uh, to have this conversation about the particular um, EUA approval, right, emergency use authorization, um, for the 5 to 11-year-olds, um, which happened at the beginning of November. Again, Dr. Lerner was... Spot on. I think in August she told me uh, uh, Thanksgiving would be uh, around Thanksgiving a little bit before Thanksgiving, and you were really, really close to that date. I think our November fourteenth was the day that we had vaccinations in school, which was around ten days or so after um, after it was approved. Just to just to share information with with everybody, I think right now we had about six hundred and thirty eligible five to eleven year olds at SAR. Five hundred of them have. Are not fully vaccinated because that's, that's almost that. not possible yet. But five hundred of them had their first dose. Um, many of them will have their second dose this Sunday, December fifth, here at SAR. But many have, have taken their doses elsewhere, which is, which is great. So I think we're at about five hundred out of six thirty. I think we're around, um, you know, around eighty percent, and certainly in our school community, it's it's higher than that. Although we have to remember, we have two year olds and three year olds and four year olds here, who are not. Uh, part of this group um, and again as you as you know anybody 12 and up um, we had a vaccine mandate um, so that means that all of our staff are under a vaccine mandate all of our students 12 and up are under a vaccine mandate um, I guess I'll just say by, by way of introduction and these were conversations that we were all part of um, there were a couple of factors that led to the vaccine mandate for the 12 and up population as opposed to the 5 to 11 population one of them being that Summertime was, you know, was a time that we were able to give people information that they could make decisions um, about uh, their comfort level. And, um, you know, we're happy that they um, felt comfortable or certainly felt comfortable enough to be vaccinated to come to school. Um, something that was approved for a 5 to 11 year old population where I think the level of discomfort is, is a little bit greater um, for reasons that, that we can talk about. Um, and the fact that it came in the middle of the school year, um, so we made the decision, the decision at least for now, um, not to mandate that vaccine. That's a discussion that the medical committee and and our lay leadership will continue to uh, to to have. Um, I know that there are some schools um, out there. I'm on the uh, nice uh list serve of the independent schools. There are some schools out there that are mandating it even for now for January, um, and 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 others that haven't mandated it for twelve for twelve plus. So so this is where we are and. Uh, um, that's the decision that we made, we made so far. Let's talk to people who might be on the fence around this vaccine. What's the argument for it, or what should their hesitations be, and how would you resp- I mean, You've had this question a million times, so how would you respond?
2: So one of the first responses that I would have um, as a pediatrician is uh, that my initial reaction to any vaccine or that type of a thing is that while I, I think it's a very low level of concern um, that I have overall it's an even lower level of concern in the five to eleven year olds than in older Why folks is that? Um, there are a number of um, inflammatory conditions that happen far more in puberty um, than uh, or when you're through puberty than when you are younger um, and um, and in particular the concern about the uh, the 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 heart inflammation that some that you know one at, at maximum about one in 6, 000, um, uh, one in six thousand uh, boys around age twelve to fifteen at least in Israel it's probably more rare than that um, and it of course was very mild in ninety something percent of the folks who got it so you're talking about really more like one in around 600,000 who got something that was more significant that have had any health consequence uh, to them. Uh, but regardless, um, that, that is the population that, that gets that kind of inflammation um, to, uh, to certain viruses and things like that, um, and um, can have reactions a, a little bit more. Uh, and I, I stress a little bit more, not really that meaningfully more Um, uh, and in in the younger ages they don't as much Um, and even our preliminary you know there have been millions and millions and millions of doses already given and there there have been you know it doesn't look like we're seeing more if anything we're seeing less of the heart inflammation um, after the first dose we'll see after the second dose how that looks Um, but even after the first dose it's far less um, than uh, than it was looking like and that's what we would have predicted so actually I'm far more comfortable giving it to younger kids than older folks. Dr. Lerner?
1: No, and, and I was really, um, I was very impressed at the FDA meeting. One of the statisticians there showed a slide, uh, showed a set of slides where they did a statistical analysis um, looking at any individual child, what is that child's risk of COVID and a bad outcome from COVID versus that child's risk of myocarditis and a bad outcome of my- from myocarditis. So there are
0: risks, potential risks on both sides.
1: Right. So it's it, the, the the choice of not doing anything, you're running the risk of COVID. And then there's st- um, statistics behind it. And basically they did a bunch of different scenarios. The risk of myocarditis was kind of a static number. Um, the risk of COVID depended on what scenario was happening out there. So they looked at different scenarios. And in almost every single scenario, the risk of COVID, of a hospitalization from COVID, of a really bad outcome from COVID. Even for young children. Even for young children, there's stats on it. um, Was always the risk of was always um, several fold higher than the risk of hospitalization from myocarditis or a very bad outcome from myocarditis. The only scenario where it was even up was the scenario of what do they call it, June of June of 2021, when we were at the nadir of COVID. Uh-huh. So, if you believe that COVID's going away, so if you have that belief, then yes,
0: wait it you out, know, and whatever. You'll, take you'll... your
1: take your chances. But look what we are a few months later; it's coming back with a vengeance. So, um, yeah, the the, the risk benefit ratio even for the children, is overwhelmingly favorable.
0: Now, to be sure, the risks are, are low for children, and people have been talking about that for a while, and I, I don't, I, I'd like to believe it's still true, I don't know. Um, the risks are very, very low for children on, on both sides of this ledger, right?
2: Yes, and actually, let's put some numbers on it. So, um, again, the very maximum of, of, of any bad outcome from the vaccine, different than the placebo, um, is the myocarditis. That's the, that's, that's the most, that's the, the the only concern right now, um, is the, the myocarditis. Um, and again, the Israelis were a bit of an outlier and showed one in 6,000 teenagers, uh, uh, who got a a very mild case of myocarditis that you may not have even known you'd had if you weren't worried about it, um, happening because of the vaccine overwhelmingly. Okay. So that's, so like I said, it's more like one in 600,000 who's going to have a more consequential myocarditis um, in response to the vaccine. Um, those are big numbers, okay? That's a ridiculously, uh, one in 600,000 is, you should play the lottery, right? Okay. So, so then um, the, uh, uh, but on the, on the flip side, one about, somewhere between one and 700, up to one in 1,000 children who is infected with COVID develops the multisystem inflammatory syndrome uh, uh, in children, the MISC. That buys you a multi-day stay in the hospital, you often in the ICU requiring very serious treatment. Um, I've seen someone in our community um, who got MISC without, with having a mild COVID, and then a child um, between ages of five and 11 who developed MISC right here in our community, um, and it was touch and go. One in 700 to
0: one in a thousand versus
2: one in 6,000 to one in
0: 600,000. It's that simple.: Once. Uh, 6,000 and 600,000, is is well, that's y- a big spread, right? Yeah, <laughs> so
2: again, the one in 6,000 is a mild markeditis. It. it has okay. no okay. long-term consequences. Mm-hmm. The one in 600,000 is where there's actually something where someone gets sick. And, and, and so, it's still reversible. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and MISC is life-threatening, is serious. You go to an ICU for days and days. Um, and uh, we've all uh, taken care of it um, and it's not nothing close to that and it is in, in very much as within the Jewish population We've saw multiple multiple children uh, with it. This is the age range where uh, This happens.
0: So from your perspective both the numbers and the kind of potential if I may say worst case scenario, so to speak, Correct. is what we know mm-hmm. so far, yeah. are both kind of very much, from your perspectives, in, the favor of, in favor of the vaccine, even at this age. Because some people are saying, um, and I think it's kind of out there a little bit, oh yeah, the 5-11s have to get it to protect the other people, which is, becomes like an interesting ethics mm-hmm. values type of question. Um, you, it doesn't sound like you're seeing it that way, although that, that would be an interesting conversation anyway, but also,
1: also. It's also. Right. <laughs> Co- yeah, got it, exactly. But not primarily. And, 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 and I'll go back to the FDA and the CDC when they did their reviews. They specifically <clears throat> asked the question that the risk benefit to the recipient, not to, you know, and then, of course, there's to society and to the family and to the community. But they were, va- they were evaluating on the risk benefit to that individual child who's getting the vaccine.
0: Okay. Now I don't want to. I never want to put our, our medical committee or members of our medical committee. Um, it's time for Marv, but we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> stick around for a couple more minutes and have Marv a little bit later. Um, but um, because you know it's our responsibility as a school to make policy, and we really try to um, to use your very very wise input um, to make that policy. But. You know, we're about two or three weeks away. Let's let's give ourselves to the vacation. But we're a couple of weeks away. It's cold outside. We've been serving lunch outdoors every day. Um, we moved it indoors now, but we're separating everybody and still living in the classrooms. Uh, but we're two weeks away from having, as you just heard, you know, 500 out of 630. So maybe 80% of our students who are 5 to 11 vaccinated. We'd like to bring lunch back. We'd like to bring, you know, groups back again, obviously following Omicron, but um, we like to bring um, vaccinated groups to be able to to, to be together to eat. Um, We have to make policies now around differences. And we've never had that. That's the truth. We've never dealt with that because in the middle school until now seventh and eighth grade, it's been 100% vaccinated. The high school is 100% vaccinated. The mask mandate is is not our decision, but we're kind of, you know, weeks away from... Having a small percentage of our community um, unvaccinated at that age and then the majority vaccinated, Um, how is that going to play itself out? Again, your perspectives. I'm not going to hold you to it in terms of the the decisions that we're going to have to make, and I'm going to share that with our community when we figure it out. But, um, you know, having these mix of vaccinated and unvaccinated populations together, um, what do you think?
1: Well, we... The children and the families that got vaccinated should gain the benefit of of a fully vaccinated environment. So to the extent that there are activities that are available to vaccinated kids where it's safe, you know, because the, the rate of transmission, you know, people are concerned about transmission. But in, in reality, the rate of transmission from a vaccinated person to an, to another vaccinated person in a kind of random social setting is extremely low the mm-hmm. the the real the real incidences of transmission with vaccinated people happen in families or in other situations of really prolonged contact so and and you know not even school like you know 24-7 kind of contact so you know, to the extent that the children can have a much more normal experience by virtue of being vaccinated I think we want to we want to encourage that and we want to set up opportunities for them to do that
0: Okay. Yes. I mean, again, I, I, obviously I'm not holding you responsible mm-hmm. for the decisions, but just mm-hmm. trying to get some color. I mean, as you guys know, um, we had our eighth graders go to Washington recently. Beautiful. That was, thank God it was a successful trip. We, we did the testing before as, a, you know, additional precaution. Um, the high school's done some testing, you know, here and there we, uh, you know, as, as a precaution before they had, you know, let's say, uh, Maccabi, which I now is no longer a secret, I believe. Once right. the prime minister told everybody that it was <laughs> happening, um, so um, we, we have obviously, uh, you know, clearly been more open to to interactions, um, closer interactions with with kids who are unvaccinated. So that's you know that that's kind of on the docket for us over the next um, couple of weeks. We did send out, um, we hope that our data is right, five hundred six thirty. out of 630. We think it's pretty close to correct. Um, we know that there are people out there on the fence and respect that. Um, and and when we sent out the vaccination survey we did get a couple of questions. I one of them, which I don't think we really discussed that much, is people who have had we haven't discussed it in this conversation, people who have had COVID before, recently had COVID. Um, so somebody writes there's no medical evidence that the vaccine's risk benefits profile is advantageous to specific situation. Um, So some people who are not yet vaccinated or not prepared to commit to vaccinating um, are asking about that.
2: Yeah, you know, unfortunately, just overall and in general, there's an enormous amount of um, misinformation or disinformation that gets cherry-picked and used in what looks like very uh, plausible and believable uh, uh, venues uh, and phrasings, um, but uh, overwhelmingly, they are misleading at, at best, um, and just flat wrong um, okay. in, in, uh, at worst. I think there may be a window after one's been um, infected of let's say a couple of months where there's not going to be a big difference between um, whether one gets vaccinated just because that's as you're recovering from the virus and that sort of a thing. Um, but every study that's been done in Israel, you know, where they've got amazing data, um, and around the um, uh, around the world. Um, a well-done study, um, There, uh, there is a two- to three-fold at least increased protection against infection amongst those who were vaccinated and had a history of COVID versus those who were unvaccinated and had a history of COVID. And as time goes by, and more people are further away from their COVID infection, um, those numbers may be even different. Um, And one of the key ways that this actually ends up working is that vaccinating on top of having a history of COVID actually prompts your immune system to be prepared for the variants. I know that sounds crazy, uh, but the way that the immune system works is the more broad the response is, the more likely it is gonna anticipate when the virus looks a little different. And that has been very clear from, from experiments to real life Uh, uh, the way it works. Yes, it's true that the vaccine was not protecting people against getting infected as well as having been infected over a certain period of time. And again, there are wide ranges of when people were infected. But there's no question that if you vaccinate after infection, you're far more well protected than if you have just been infected.
0: Okay. And that's what you, I remember we had this conversation in the summer. That's what you said then. You continue to say it now and you think that nothing's, it bears nothing's changed or yeah. it's been... It's and been
1: and the, the original thinking, which may have been true last, you know, in 2020 with, uh, with the early strains, um, the original thinking that someone who's had COVID cannot be infected again is just not true. I mean, it's just gone out the window.
0: Okay um <laughs> another comment I'm uh, paraphrasing a little bit, um, but somebody did want to speak to the medical committee about and I know Dr. Lerner that you've uh, you, you've told us what you, what you think about this people are trying to understand well if it's just an emergency use authorization like let's wait for the real authorization um obviously right is it a fast- track authorization is it a fast tracked authorization? Mm-hmm. authorization that people can you know understandably say like I'd rather you know, have more data, how would how, how would you explain to people what emergency use authorization means and why you're confident in that before the, the I, I, don't, I don't think we have full authorization not even on the 12 to 16? Almost. Almost. We have it on the
1: 18, 18 and above, and the 12 to 16 is being applied for. Okay. Um, the real difference, I mean, it's procedural. It, it's a way, it's a way of getting something on the market faster, and it's a way of the FDA approving it without having the full, full set of things that it, the FDA normally needs. So what's, what, what, they're, what the FDA is waiting for is not um, more clinical data, actually. They're going to do more inspections, they need more manufacturing. There's a lot of manufacturing details that they review, so they reviewed them in a more rapid fashion, and in order to give the full approval, they want mounds and mounds of more data from the manufacturing plant um there n- it's not a question of uh whether it you know it works or not works or whether it's effective or not effective that part they already reviewed and they agreed on um they're just waiting for a lot of more supplemental data on manufacturing in order to do the full the full approval um okay. they, yeah i mean the other thing that you know it, it, the emergency authorization was employed because of this pandemic and it really hasn't been employed a lot in the past, but with it, you know, these vaccines got out there and the vaccines have now been used in, you know, I don't know if it's more more people than ever before, but in, the numbers are massive. So around the world, eight, and I looked it up this morning, 8 billion, 8 billion shots have been given of all the wow. vaccine types. In the U.S. it's something like 400 million. And of which, you know, because we're talking about the Pfizer for the kids, the Pfizer one is the majority, so it's somewhere in the area of 300 million shots so far. Um,
0: That's not people, that's shots, right? Those are shots, so
1: you can (laughs) divide it by two maybe. Um, But it's, you know, big numbers. Um, And and with the children in the 5 to 11 group, uh, we're already at this point in time, over 3 million children in the United States have gotten it. So, like... You know, for people uh, who are saying,
0: "What's the whole pie of of that?" Oh, I'm sorry, I don't know the denominator.
1: (laughs) But I mean, to the extent that people are saying, "Like, I don't want to be the first one. I want to wait till somebody else gets it." Three million children already got it.
0: (laughs) Now, uh, three million children have gotten. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, nobody's had COVID. You know, nobody had COVID more than 20 months ago, and nobody had the vaccine more than 10 months ago. So, Mm there are obviously long term questions that nobody can say with, you know. With certainty um, so let, let's talk about long potential long-term consequences.
2: Yeah that's one of the big concerns mm-hmm. so so the disinformation is a little bit easier to well it's easier to explain it's mm-hmm. a little harder to uh, disabuse folks of, of that disinformation mm-hmm. uh, the concern about some what's going to happen long term you know you haven't tested this for a long period of time in someone um, First of all, n- nothing gets done that way in a placebo-controlled trial. Nothing. Um, and that's an important point to make uh, ever in the history of medicine um, for that long of a term to keep the placebo uh, blinded to know if there have been side effects. Um, the, the period of time and the numbers we've had now are bigger than pr- most previous studies we've had on any other vaccine, just for the record. So the science is pretty good there, you know, both for the adverse events um, uh, you know, and, uh, and for the efficacy. Um, but... Um, the uh, We do already see that uh, a substantial proportion of children who had no problem with their initial COVID infection um, do have uh, long prolonged um, symptoms afterwards. Um, and they're not like life-threatening things, but they're quite life-disrupting um, uh, uh, things. They can vary from uh, breathing issues, from fatigue, uh, from... Um, people call it long COVID, but there are very specific symptoms that we see in our clinics frequently where they're seeking immunologic advice um, because um, of this concern that, oh, it wasn't a big deal when they got the virus, but goodness, this stuff has lasted for a while. Um, And that's, you know, even more, substantially even more common than the multisystem inflammatory syndrome. Um, That's one in a thousand. It's a lot more than that who get these long, long symptoms. In some cases, they haven't stopped since they got COVID. Um, On the flip side for the vaccine, uh, it's an important point to make that okay. So this one has you know only been in eight billion people for for uh, a couple of uh, uh, you know for however many months it's been, um, but um, there have been no longer term consequences that didn't show up within the first two months of of a trial. That's why the trial lasts that long. Those things have people have thought about them maybe maybe maybe, and there may be very rare things always. Ugh, There could be a very, very rare thing. But again, we're talking like Lotteryville, like, you know, one in millions. Um, And and those will show up and they will make big news, but it doesn't mean that it's it's really impactful for any individual person, it's very, very rare. Any more than, uh, I I love the statistic, uh, sitting on a toilet is substantially more dangerous than any of the uh, adverse events, even a tr- you know in, in in the trials that have been done, substantially, it's just rare. So you don't really hear about it. Mm-hmm. I guess people don't talk about Live it. Live and learn. But uh, regardless, <laughs> and and um, you know, uh, it's it's uh, you know those those are real numbers. These it, 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 when something makes the news, it it it, it scares you, but it's still sure. very 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 rare. This I is mean, you I know mean,
0: this is at the time of it's been it's been a long haul, and then there's a lot of unknowns, and obviously people you know people are. That there's a range of you know anxiety levels, and you know people want to know. But I think that having this information is really, really helpful. Oh. I, I think we're a little over time. I'll ask one question because we do have a vacation coming up. Travel? Don't travel? Travel, a little bit? Uh. Any advice, or is that is that too broad a question?
2: Travel with SACL. Mm-hmm. Travel with Seiko. You know don't you know i I wouldn't go into a mosh pit in um south africa right now (laughs) good um um, but i think that in you know in in more limited settings and being careful and masking carefully and being vaccinated vaccinated. fully vaccinated you know i would i would pause before bringing any unvaccinated family members with me i would pause i i I would not feel comfortable
0: okay okay dr lerner last word
2: vaccine is safe.
1: Okay,
0: okay. Trust That's the your, biology. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much for all that you do, and I, I am sure that our community will be listening to this, and I'm sure that I hope that um, the people outside of our community will, will, will learn from you, because I've learned a lot from you. and We all have, and we're very grateful to you. So happy Hanukkah. Enjoy your families, and thank you for, for keeping us safe and giving us the guidance that you've given us. We really, really appreciate it.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for setting this up.
2: I'm just going to add one other go thing for it. which you can either put in there or not. But um, uh, I think an incredibly great exercise is to go look in the clinical trials um, that were done in the New England Journal of Medicine and in JAMA and other big drummers and, and look at the reactions um, that the, the, the folks got. Look at those reactions. See how much they happen. And look in the placebo column and look in the ones who actually got the vaccine. And if you just cover the side that is w- with the vaccine – okay, and you look at what happened in the placebo column, Mm -hmm. it's shocking. It's shocking. Death, disease, pestilence. (laughs) Um, Three cases of throat closure immediately after the vaccine to the placebo. Okay? Mm -hmm. So just take a look at that list to give you an Mm -hmm. idea for why you might hear about things happening a lot and that that may not be because of the vaccine. Um, uh, Because what's in that placebo is just salt, not, not, not even the things that come with the with the you know, RNA. So uh, I I just think it's an interesting so exercise to do.
0: Read the study the data, look at the look at the uh, information that's out there and uh, and learn from it. Educate ourselves. The good information. Sounds the, like a good, good right. That's that's obviously a challenge. Thank you very very much.